Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us here at the Lift Church podcast. I am with Sarah and John, who just preached this Sunday. One fantastic sermon, two kind of funny, not as funny as me, but pretty funny. <laughs> Three, love love your heart with marriage and mentorship. But uh, why don't you guys just really quickly introduce yourselves, say hey to everybody, and uh, really thank you guys for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, my name is Sarah Shondelmeyer. I'm yeah. married to the very handsome man who is standing next to me on stage uh, yesterday. <laughs> and um, yeah, we just have a heart for for marriages and a heart for, um, well, I have a heart for women and um, just a heart for ministry altogether. So um, that's where I'm coming from. Hey, everyone. It's so great to be here uh, with Sarah and with Joey. Thanks for having us on here. And it was um, just a privilege and a pleasure and an mm -hmm. honor to be able to share with the team and with the church this week about marriage. You know, we've we're coming up on 20 years, mm -hmm. 21 years, rather. 21, actually. Dear. 21 years of marriage <laughs> to each other. And uh, we've been through quite a whole range of situations. You know, mm -hmm. I think um, we can begin maybe even just saying we were, we were engaged three times. Yeah, let's start, like, at, this is what we're curious about. Well, what I'm curious about, okay? <laughs> so I think others are. Uh, let's, about that you part. have said in your sermon, and I, I, I mentioned this, Married 20 years, going on 21, but best friends for 28. So you've known each other mm. for 28 years. Mm -hmm. How? Wh here's my first question. How long were you friends before you dated? Almost three years. Yes. Okay. Who broke the tension? Who <laughs> made the leap from friend to romantic friend? <laughs> yeah, we want, give me, yeah. by the way, and, and people should know this. Uh, we, you know, we've talked, we're friends, but... The things I'm at, like this conversation is not planned. It's very organic. So yes. their reactions are very real in the moment. So how <laughs> did we make the leap from friend to more than a friend? Well, I'll start with this. That's probably wise. Yeah. So we, we were friends for a few years. Not long after we became friends, and Sarah had set me up with some of her friends that, that were failures from the beginning. I think it was intentional. It's all part of the plan. <laughs> set, set him up with the bad ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. It was so I proclaimed to her roommates before we ever even started dating that I was going to marry her someday. Yes, and they thought he was a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be so, real. Real quick. You're at Purdue? At We're this at point? Purdue. Yep. You're at Purdue, and you're with her friends mm -hmm. this is a true story true, true story. story and you say to her friends i'm gonna, I'm gonna marry, marry i'm gonna marry someday. sarah yep and what do they say okay john <laughs> they just gotta hey, sarah you need to like you know this guy's psycho <laughs> <laughs> he has a ring already <laughs> so you but you, you kind of then um you know saw her and were attracted to her to some extent even before you yeah, guys we, we were yeah. great friends, and I think uh, not to over spiritualize it, but our but our spirits were attracted to each yeah. other from the beginning, and we were great friends. We went through good times and bad times, even as friends. And I think um, what really sold it for me was we went home to our, our respective homes over the summer. Okay, this was back when goodness, email was still kind of newish. <laughs> and, you know, so we had to you know log on yeah. to even send an email mm -hmm. and we exchanged an email or two over the summer we came back that fall and we had both gone through separately but simultaneous a bit of a come to jesus moment okay you know we had our our faith had transformed in, in really unique ways but in the same direction mm -hmm. and at the same time and so we we realized we were seeing each other just as friends nearly every day that fall when we came back from the, the fall cool. semester and realized, you know, we we're spending a lot of time together. Um, is there something just, more here? Then you just, who asked who then? Or, or did you just, <laughs> as, has no one ever asked anyone? And you're just like, she's just stayed with me since fall semester. <laughs> she's never left. And you're still here. <laughs> did, did you break the ice and go, hey, let's make this official? Or, or was this... Why it don't might? you tell that story? Yeah, now, Sarah, let's hear I, your side of it. I think it might have been me. Am I wrong? Wait, well, wait real quick, real quick. Yeah. 
So did you? So he said you guys went separate ways we over did. the summer and had mm-hmm. come to moments with Jesus. This is true for you as well. Like yes. you felt uh, before that summer, was John even on your mind as um, a boyfriend we were, material? No, not at all. And so you're like, I'm going home. Sorry, was that too harsh? No. Well, you're here now and you beautiful family. So yes. it all worked out. Amen. That's what we're getting to eventually. Yes. Is we're going to celebrate 21 years of marriage. So yeah, I this think is when the I real back, stuff that people go. This is what uh, I love about the podcast, mm-hmm. about following a Sunday, is the people listening, this is what they relate. They know this. Yeah. People have lived through similar, you know, even in, I think, a marriage, you know, they there's sort of this myth that becomes legend on how did we meet or what's going on or oh I wasn't attracted and then I fell in love so you're here together so it all works out so no nothing's um, too harsh he definitely was um pursuing me okay and um we went away you know went home for the summer and came back and um the first person I wanted to connect with was was you. So I gave you a call. Funny story. Yeah. So Sarah calls me. <laughs> he I forgot about this more until this now. Me. <laughs> Funny story. She calls me back. It's the first day back after summer break. And she oh, yeah, is, is going to go to Walmart mm-hmm. to buy. Do you remember those plastic little crates, little milk crate type things? You yeah. Can use okay. Either, you know, to build it your yeah. own shelf or see how you can stack them, yeah, stand yeah, on yeah. them, get dangerous. So yeah. she calls me and says, Hey, I'm going to go to Walmart to buy some crates. Do you want to come with me? And I said, Even better. I have a few extras. So I probably grabbed six (laughs) of them in my hand. (laughs) I'm walking across campus with these things in my hand to hand deliver them to her. I think he ended up at my place in about two minutes. (laughs) Little do you know, he ran to Walmart and bought those crates just so he could uh, get over there. We probably live like a mile away from each other, too. Yeah. (laughs) Are you guys in in dorms or are you guys in houses at this point near Purdue? He was actually in a fraternity. Oh, nice. And um, I was in an apartment with my girlfriends okay. that he professed his love to. Me so, yeah. <laughs> so you're like, I need crates. He's like, oh, right. Let me, l- no problem. Yeah. I'm very strong. Problem I can solved. carry these crates over. You. Let me mm-hmm. provide, take care of you. And you go, I might marry this man. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. That was it. That's what broke the ice. You're like, man, John no, we was just like, the first person okay. to bring over crates. <laughs> so we set each other up no. with like not, I mean, I, the guys he set me up with were actually really nice humans, mm-hmm. but just not my human. So I probably didn't do such a hot job on that with you. No. I set him up with some. I doozies. think the key takeaway for me in this kind of just opening dialogue is if you're pursuing someone, set them up with terrible people. <laughs> exactly. And then and then bring them milk cartons. You're welcome. Well, That's literally he the actually most set me up with some do. nice humans, and I did not return the favor. <laughs> uh, so maybe secretly, funny. I was in love with you since day one. I think so. I think I it was those kindred spirits like you that. talked about. Yeah. I think something was always going to bring yeah. you two together. So uh, eventually, you're there. You're at Purdue. You start dating. Um, and then how long? How long are you dating before marriage? Mm. Too long. Three okay. years? Ish? Yeah. We knew pretty quickly that this is long term. Okay. Well, I was about to graduate. So there was kind of like this timeline of like, if we're going to be together, then we're either in or we're out. Mm. And that's kind of how my mentality was back in the day. I'm not that way now. But um, but yeah, so he, we did the long distance thing. We did get engaged that summer, didn't we? And then for the first time, it's very romantic, beautiful moment. And then I said, I need to get my stuff together before I walk down the aisle with someone because mm. I was wrestling with some things. And um, so I did I give you the ring back or you Not asked yet. for it back? Not okay. Yet. And then we just delayed we delayed it the date by a year. Yeah. Oh, okay. And this was really my first time away from home was college, but then I went out on my own own. Mm-hmm. Like none of my family was back in Detroit. I was on my own. And so I wrestled with a lot. It was a really dark season for me. That and he was still at college doing everything he'd already been doing. So it was like we weren't on the same page. So we eventually just broke up. So but then we got engaged again. You went straight from <laughs> breaking off the engagement back to engagement or was there Probably a season six months there or was so. a there was a season in there where you know it was <laughs> it was uncertainty you know there was no one else right but um the the delay came again and at that point 
I'm the one that then gave her the ultimatum. Well, if you're not going to marry me, at least give me the ring back. Right. <laughs> and then... Did I give it back to her? You did. Yeah. Okay. So what? So this is actually fast, especially because uh, I, I think in marriage in general, we'll get to like the mm. things you learned in this season. Yeah. Um. So it's broken off. She hands a ring back. I mean, you have proclaimed your love for this woman in front of her friends. At this point, are you guys like, there? we're not getting married? I mean, are you both like, it's over, over? Like, I have to move on? Or is there something inside of you that's just like, let's breathe and pause. There's a chance. Uh, how did, how, How's this playing out right now? Yeah, for me, there was a lot of brokenness at the time mm -hmm. because I did still... He felt rejected. Yeah, mm -hmm. and yeah. we were still long distance at this point. Wow. I had since graduated. I was in a different place. I was a mess. He was feeling rejected. It was just like we weren't aligning. So during that season, after I had taken the ring back, she had given it back, uh, we really didn't talk mm -mm. much. Because communication's not what it is today. So you're separated from distance. Yeah. Just to give you perspective, yeah. we our first cell phone, I got when I was 22. Okay. So, I mean, we didn't have cell phones. We had, like, right. hard lines that you left messages on, and you got the message within mm. the week. So is there's, there's this, you're trying to fix yourself. You're, you know, feeling this brokenness. Mm -hmm. And it's not even, like, you're kind of in your own worlds. Mm. Yeah. And so in that, yeah, I'm now I'm all in. So I want to know how, what you're going through, and then how do we get back together? I mean, well, we're here. So he actually called me up after like months of not talking okay and was like i just wanted to let you know i got in a very serious accident i rolled my car and totaled it and he happened to be with a friend and um i don't even know why you called to tell me that oh i know but at that moment at that moment <laughs> i was like the thought of not having him mm. in my life ever again was like I couldn't imagine that. So it was the end of the beginning, really. I was like, the beginning of the end? How do you say that? I always say things the opposite of what they no, should be. <laughs> but when you thought of permanently him not being there, yeah. you're like, I just, I can't even. Because he ended up in the That's hospital. Like, the fact that he wasn't killed was like, it was black ice and mm -hmm. rolled his car quite a few times. And then it was like, okay, how in the world would I live without him? And because I haven't been doing it well. <laughs> and um, so that was the moment where it was like, I think we need to see what happens with this and try again and do it the right way. So, and, uh, yeah, what's going through your mind then? So you just get in this accident. You call her up for a reason. I'm going to say God told you to. I mean, it worked out. Yes, um, we'll go with that. And, uh, you know, this is someone who's handed the ring back is now going i can't picture my life without you is this joyful moment for you or is there some hesitation or how are you feeling about her being back in your life permanently are you just are you ready you're like this is what i want yeah let's call it cautious optimism at this okay point. yep so now i find a way to we end up in the same city mm -hmm. um, we're still working different schedules i'm working nights at the time so dating is still and and you know restoring this relationship is still not easy right uh but we we make strides to do it um you know, and we're in, at this point, we're in Detroit, Michigan, okay. Metro Detroit. Detroit Metro, we were still an hour from each other, yeah, both we living, were living in the city. Yeah, we living about an hour yeah. away. I was working wow. nights, she was working days, so it was challenging. And then, you know, and then that's when 9-11 happened. Mm. Detroit was falling apart. The auto industry was crashing, so Detroit was melting down at the time. And uh, that's when we found ourselves in Orlando. Okay. The first time around, she found a job in Orlando, and like a puppy dog, I followed her. He did. How romantic. So our apartments <laughs> yes. were a couple miles apart. And that's back in the day when we used to run. And we would run to each other's apartments. But we actually dated. And then we courted each other and did it the right way. Yeah, The let way me, that we were convicted like to do it God's way, not our way. Th this, this story is fun. If I can maybe take a little side turn here. And I think yeah. this is a, an opportunity to share um, really some of our heart. Um, in our, our message over the weekend, we talked about marriage is hard. Mm -hmm. We know that for everyone, no matter what season you're going through. And um, we talked a lot about the idea of restoration, reconciliation, repair, and um, you know, putting the pieces back together. But we also wanted to offer 
um, some encouragement, if we can, maybe today uh, through here, of encouragement to those that are not yet married. Mm. Um, the world gives us a lot of really easy ways to do things. And many of those easy things um, aren't of God. And um, it's easy to make decisions that make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other things that they, the world says they don't make sense, um, but God asks us to do things. And um, we want to let people know that it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's possible to do the hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sarah mentioned just for, for practicality standpoint, not to get over complicated. When she moved to Florida, I had to follow her. We were not yet married. She had a condo in Michigan that she still owned. Hadn't so the, the market was, was not great. So she held on to her condo. Well, the she, recession started there. So it was like, you're not selling anything. Mm. She yeah. rented an apartment in Orlando. I followed her down a few months later. We're not yet married. What do we do? I rent my own apartment. Mm-hmm. We're not independently wealthy yet. We're still in our early 20s. We're not making much money. Right. We, have, we both have fine jobs, but we're not making great money. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're now facing three housing payments between the two of us mm-hmm. because we want to do things the right way. Right. And um, she's trying to sell her condo, and it's not selling yet. We eventually then full circle, you know, we're now engaged again. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the fast forward a little bit more. That's actually kind of a funny story too, but. Yeah. So <laughs> in the context of that, we, we decide that Orlando is home. Mm-hmm. Orlando is going to be home for our family. We will be a family. Um, and so we set out on, on the venture of buying a home. Mm-hmm. And so I buy the home that will be our home. And so now we're staring at the, the possibility of four housing payments between the two of us with not big incomes. Right. Um, Let's just say most people thought we were We were nuts. nuts. You know, it's crazy. That makes no, <laughs> nobody does Zero that. Sense. Why don't you just move in together? Mm-hmm. Come on. Right. Save yeah. some money. You can tithe more if you live together, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, we want to do things the right way. So the day that, the day that I close on what would be our home is the day that Sarah's condo came under contract. Hmm. I kid you not. Same exact day. You probably could have heard me scream across Orlando. Wow. Yeah. So it was totally God. Things I mean, like there's no that, other explanation. That's mm. one that's one example financially, but there's there's so many things along the way that we went out of our way. We did things intentionally difficult because we wanted to honor what God's called us to do. Mm-hmm. People thought we were nuts and and maybe we were, but we just want to encourage those that are venturing in and, and pursuing their future spouse and their future family to to really take stock of what God's asking you to do and, and know, like, hear that it's possible. Yeah. I think it's such a great word to um, couples, I would specifically say, you know, either in sort of their college age or a little after. Um, you know, in high school, when you date, you're living with your parents and, you know, you mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, but I have found more and more that people are waiting to date or get married. So they're dating in their early mid twenties and they're dating someone in a similar city. And I, I actually think that message needs to be preached. And it's just something we sort of don't think about because when you mention dating in your mind, you go 16, 17, 18 year olds who date. But I think there's a whole population of people who are in their mid twenties who are trying to date and they're figuring out dating and they're dating someone in a city that they mm-hmm. live in. And I have friends who are like, we'll just all move. Moving in together is the next step. That's the next step mm-hmm. for them. Um, it's like the precursor. Let's make sure this works before we right. actually commit. And so I just, you know, that's not what this is about. But I love right. the encouragement to anyone listening. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Society might pressure you into that. Financial reasons um, or your friends are telling you to do that. Or that whole, you know, go in and see if you like each other before you actually commit. Those messages are preached. And I do think, I think people need to stand up and go, it's possible to obey God and be obedient in your mid-20s, early 30s, and have a dating life that is scriptural, that that is biblical-based. You know what I'm saying? Well, and otherwise, what separates you apart from the rest of the world? Right. 
And so anyway, uh, I just think that's a great point. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a great message to those who uh, go, I don't live with my parents. I'm old enough to live in a different city. I'm dating, you know, somebody in the city. Our families don't live here. What do we do? Mm -hmm. Well, we have somebody here who's about to celebrate their 21st anniversary, and they didn't do things the way, you know, there was pressure to do. I'm sure you guys made mistakes and did things did, that you're well, like, we made so many yeah, mistakes. We're not, and, yeah, but, and, and I wanted to say, Joe, yeah, I didn't share that as a as a point of any of any. Yeah, no, no, I didn't take it that way. Yeah, and we made plenty of mistakes al along the way in, in nearly every aspect of life, but. Um, I just want to be encouraging. No, that's why I yeah. got it that way. I think I, it came off that way. So, um, all right, let's go to even a point in your sermon. I know there's there's so much that I'm genuinely curious, but for the sake of getting to some of the meat, we will move forward. So you finally, you, you have the house, she sells the condo, you're married, and then you lose your job. The only reason I bring that up is you brought it up on Sunday. Technically lost his job before we were married. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. A month yeah. or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, it's wild. Before mm -hmm. you're going into marriage. And here's the thing. It, it, you've done things. You're like, we're trying to follow the, the blessing of God. We're trying to do things the right way. And I'm sure this is what I want you guys to speak to first is there's couples and they're doing things the right way. And they're like, I'm trying. I'm reading scripture. I'm praying. And yeah, temptation comes in. And, and every now and then I mess up. But overall, I'm doing the things that God wants me to do, and you're looking at marriage, and then all of a sudden, boom, this hits. Mm -hmm. um, how do you handle it? I mean, what goes through both of your minds? Um, what do you do in that season? I know it's something you spoke on, but I think it's good for us to, to talk about today. How do you handle that? A month before you lose your job, the enemy comes in, chaos hits. How do you guys handle it? Well, we were, we were still quite young. I don't know if I can be overly proud of how I handled it. It was definitely, it's it's a gut check to the ego. I mean, it felt like I got punched. You know, I'm I'm a young man. I'm about to be married. I have a beautiful bride. You know, as we read in, in our text in Ephesians, you know, I'm the head of the household. And, you know, my, my income is unemployment mm -hmm. revenue, right? And she's got a job that she didn't love at the time. Um, but she had to be the provider for that season as we entered the marriage. And so um, I guess early when we came back from the honeymoon and we started our life together, it was, it was a huge point of humility um, for both of us mm -hmm. that we learned to do what we had to do to provide for each other. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a reversal of the traditional role. I learned early on how to grocery shop how to do laundry, you how to clean how to the cook. house. It was great. Hey. You know, and it, it it taught us, I think, how to work well together mm. through our years together. So, you know, I, I always tell our kids now, like, never play the what if game because what if never happened. Right. I, I can sit here and, and wonder the what if I had I still a great job when we got married. Mm. Would I still have, would we still have the same relationship we do now in terms of how we share roles and how we share things ar around the house and around just our, our home and our life. Yeah, because yeah, really over the last 20 years, like we've switched roles multiple times and we just get in sync and just fill the gap where it's needed. And it's not a it's not really a, a fight with what the traditional role should be. Yeah, and a lot of homes. You do what you got to do when you got to do it, you know. In a lot of households, you know, chores are split. This is her chore. This is his chore. In, in our house, it's a chore. Mm -hmm. It needs to be done. Who does it? The first person that can. Yeah. Let me ask this. In in a season where, you know, the ego's hit, the pride's hurt, I, I've seen the opposite. I've seen a retreat. I got to go handle business. You stay here, take care of the home, and then I'm just going to hustle and grind, and communication breaks down, distance occurs, all of these things happen. Mm -hmm. How, from each of your standpoints, because I think this is so important for not just that moment, but what it would lead to in the future for your marriage. How, I want both of your perspectives, how do you come to your wife and go, my, my pride is hurt, but we need to talk about this, we need to handle it, and uh, not running away from her, I guess, how do you approach it? And then how did you, how do you provide a welcoming environment for that conversation mm -hmm. um, without emasculating or making him feel less than does that make sense mm -hmm. what i'm asking is in yeah. this moment where you you could have easily ran away and said 
don't talk to me about it. I, I'll handle it. And just went out and started working and grinding and losing communication. And uh, you could have easily been like, uh, I can't believe you would do this. Shame on you. Go handle it. Come back to me when you have an answer. But it doesn't seem like that's what happened. It seems like you guys came together and said, how are we going to do this? So in marriage, how do you provide that environment where your pride isn't so high that you can come to your spouse and your spouse allows room for conversation that you know is embarrassing or painful to the other one? Does that question make sense? Yeah. And I would love both of your perspectives on that. I think <laughs> one thing is that um, realizing that every season is completely different, um, just knowing who your number one fan is. And that's the way we've kind of communicated over the years is that I'm not your enemy and that you you need to know that I wouldn't be standing here if I wasn't your number one fan. Mm -hmm. And so encouraging, loving, and just filling the gap when needed for like, I don't know, there's been times where we've come home from work and been like, I had a horrible day. And just simply as that, I don't know what's going on. I'm working through some stuff and it has nothing to do with you. Cause you know, a lot of couples, they come home and they're like all mad and bring it all in the home and they're huffing and puffing and think, oh my goodness, what did I do? Did I upset them? Blah, 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 blah. We were just like, let's just lay it out there. Mm. Like I had a rough day, I need to process. And then one or the other, we've role reversed on this too. It's like, oh, hey, it's cool. I got dinner. You go do what you need to do. To, if you need to take a hot shower, if you need to go on a walk, whatever. We'll have dinner later when you're ready. And then just give each other the space and the time to process and then come back to it and really dig into all the feels and um, just be able to honor, respect, and just really um, encourage one another when we're we're in a, a tough spot, a bad spot. So she makes it sound so easy. <laughs> that that took a lot of years. That didn't it happen. Did. And I think us getting engaged three times actually mm. set us up for the win when it came to realizing having that self awareness piece of how we like mm. how we operate as adults really. Yeah, I mean, when when we were I'll speak for myself, I say we, but when I was less mature and mm -hmm. less confident, the job loss was was a bigger punch for me and I felt like I had to overdo it to your point and and go grind it out to, you know, and and report back when she got home from work, you know, I felt the need I had to report how many applications mm -hmm. did I make today? How many phone calls did I make today? I was like, just gratefully made dinner. And um, <laughs> and in the meantime, yeah, so long as she is putting in the long hours hard work at her job, then the least I can do is having a hot meal on the table when mm -hmm. she gets home because she's providing financially for the family at the time. And I need to set up to provide longer terms. So, yeah, it took a lot of time. And early on, there were moments when she would come home. She had a rough day at work. Things were not great. And she was, you know, mad at the world and all this, that, whatever else. And she would walk in the door just wearing it. And as a young man, immature and lacking confidence, I full of pride, I would think, well, she's coming home mad at me. Mm. You know, what did I do? Or vice versa, if I was frustrated at, you know, at activity that happened during the day and I'm at home and she comes home from work and I'm wearing it, you know, throwing knives across the kitchen or whatever, and she might think it's about her. Mm. I never threw a knife at her, no, I no. promise. No, I know. <laughs> I may have thrown a knife across the kitchen at one point, but, but it was an incident. Marry not someone with bad aim. Yeah. That's always my, yeah, my, my point being, yeah. to Sarah's point, I think there's another whole teaching there, but we, we learned through a number of years to have that open communication. Mm. And we had to take, we had to be as blunt as saying, I'm having a bad day. It's not about you. Right. And no, I don't want to talk about it. Yep. We had to get to that point because one or the other of us, as we've shifted roles, wanted to be the fixer. Mm -hmm. Oh, you had a bad day. Let's talk about it. How can I help you? Let me give you some wise advice. Mm -hmm. Oh, here's another one. Can I tell them about the, the wise advice husband? You know the, the oh yes yes so, yes sure <laughs> why not <laughs> so this may be stereotypical some some people listening may experience this others may not I don't know but for us when Sarah would come to me with 
venting. You know, <laughs> some women like to vent. Mm -hmm. And Sarah being no different, she would vent to me. And me being the, the fixer. <laughs> Let me help you with this, Sarah. Let me give you some wise, manly provider advice. Let me fix the problem for you. Which made me want to throat punch you, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she would then cut me off very abruptly and say, I don't need you to fix me. I just want to talk. Mm. Noted. I hear that. Okay. So <laughs> next time, a few weeks later, another vent is happening. Yeah. Make me so sound like I, I respond all the time. <laughs> I respond to the vent. I remember. I've got a good memory here. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. To which she would say, John, do you have any advice for me? <laughs> Dude, now I'm confused. <laughs> am I listening or am I giving advice? Mm -hmm. And so another learning opportunity. Now, when I feel a vent is coming, I will interrupt her. <laughs> just so to good. be clear. Yes. Am I just listening to you? Just for the record, you? he doesn't always get it right. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to ask because I'm, right. a, I'm, a, I'm just a dude. Our husbands need to read our minds. I'm just a you guy, right? I'm just a guy. <laughs> no, so I think Sarah, it's so am I good. listening I or am I giving so advice? Good. Am I yeah. listening or am I, okay, now I know what hat I'm wearing. Continue on with the vent. I, I love that so much because I tend to fix. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, if you're telling me something, do you want my advice? And if you're telling me something that you don't want my advice on, why am I even paying attention to the conversation? You know, like mm -hmm. literally as a young couple, that's what would go through my mind. I just think the clarity of communication is so important. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the joke is, you know, just read my mind. And we can't. No one can read each other's mind. But I think it's so Especially important to go, hey, listen, here is what I need. And, and just let me know. Um, and as I, th I think especially early on in the relationship, figuring that out. You know what I'm saying? There's mm -hmm. going to be probably a time where she or he goes, if you ask me one more time, if this is an advice thing. You know what I'm saying? But early on, if you don't know that about each other, figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I think that's just so good for couples everywhere is don't be afraid to ask clarifying questions. Don't just assume and act on that assumption because yeah, evidence. But um, I love that. I actually really enjoy that. Like, hey, tell me what kind of moment is this so I can be the person for you. And it might not always be the same. So so Sometimes good. you need to be super clear with men, like because they're just like, I'm just way, a guy. you're way complicated. No, <laughs> yeah, and you're I, like, yes, I am. Let me give you a few pointers. <laughs> for, as, for me, that's what I ask of Kim. Just tell me, tell me. <laughs> what's going on. And, and in that, though, I think my responsibility is as she tells me, I will take a note and learn. And not everything's the same, but I want to get to know her to maybe there are times she doesn't have to ask me, you know what I'm saying? Or tell me because 10 years into the relationship, 15 years in the relationship, I have paid attention. I've asked the questions. Yeah. We've gotten to know one another. And, uh, and then you get to, you know, a place where we're still lost, but it reminds me like <laughs> in, in today's age with, um, with AI being a thing, mm -hmm. I kind of consider it's like AI learning machines. The more time we spend together, the right. more clarifying questions we ask, the more input we receive, the more we can truly, you know each other. Yeah, so good. Don't be afraid. I guess what we're saying is don't be afraid to ask your spouse for clarity on something. Don't oh, be yeah. afraid Absolutely. to push in and say, hey. You'll can, save yourself so much grief. Yes. <laughs> can you explain this to me? What? What? Ex how can I be of best help to you right mm -hmm. now and live that out? I how think can I support you and be your biggest fan? I mean, we've, yep. we've had those conversations multiple times over the years. It's like you got to remember, I am your biggest fan and I want to support you yep. and um, cheer you on. But how can I do that if, you know, there's always this perception versus reality struggle, too, you know. Right. It's like we always are making assumptions. It's like, no, just be mm. real, raw and let it out there. No, and, so um, good. Let's see where we go with that. So you guys preached on Sunday, which, by the way, I did not know till earlier. This was your first time preaching yeah. ever. Correct. Ever. Yes. Fabulous job. First of all. Uh, let's, how, how are you feeling? How are you feeling right up until the moment? And, and now that it's Monday afterwards, how do you guys feel today? Just on the, the, the getting up there and preaching portion of it. Well, I know that I've said this a few times just in the last 24 hours that I'm really glad it's not about me. Mm. Oh. Yeah. That um, the message is like you can plan and plan and plan, but being open-handed and allowing the Holy Spirit to 
speak through you is a lot different than just saying verbatim what's on the page. And um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. you know, we live and we learn, right? <laughs> it's not about us. At the same time, we, we, we say we want to just be um, a vessel of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. but we uh, want to be the best vessel possible. And we want to be the best conduit we possibly can. And um, at the time, we planned for a lot. We rewrote it. You know, we planned quite a bit of time. And um, it, it was nerve-wracking. And the idea of being in front of a few hundred people, being th the idea of preaching God's word is humbling, it's intimidating, it's daunting, um, but it was an honor to be able to do. So I think there was a lot of nerves leading up to it. Absolutely. Um, and then toward the end, as, as Sunday morning was approaching, at that point, we just felt like, yeah, we're open-handed now. Um, our prayer was that whatever the Holy Spirit wanted the people in the audience to hear, that it would come through us. Well, and I don't even look at it as audience, really, because looking around the room, you see so many familiar faces, and it's like, yeah, these are people we're doing life with, and um, just to feel supported that way, but also just to have an opportunity to speak life, truth, and wisdom into marriages and the people in the room is just such an honor, and um, so we're grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, and our, our message was concluding a whole series on the home, a Christ-centered home. And for those of you that are following, um, Pastor Joey started out the series a few weeks ago talking about starting with the heart, and then we got into um, practical parenting, Christ-centered parenting, and then how to be a Christ-centered neighbor in our neighborhood, and who is our neighbor truly. Um, and we had the honor then of bringing it home with um, the marriage and what a Christ-centered marriage can look like. And um, we began with painting a, a picture of what the bullseye of a marriage is. What is an ideal? What does God's word say about a marriage? How does he compare it to um, Christ himself? And um, Sarah read a passage in Ephesians chapter 5, and that really painted the picture of the bullseye. Absolutely. It's hard to hit. <laughs> what, uh, when you guys think about marriage or preaching, is there something that drove you to Ephesians chapter 5 or has it been something that you've read before, or was it just something for this Sunday you felt the Holy Spirit leading you to this passage? Um, well, I'll be honest. I think we, we, meaning me, really set out to overcomplicate this message. I was, <laughs> I was studying. I was doing some deep dives. Um, Sarah and Pastor Micah had to pull me off the ledge a few times. I wanted to go into some really deep, you know, metaphorical teaching that the Bible and Revelation and other parts of the Bible describe, you know, the, the bridegroom and the bride and the lamb and the church and all these, it, it's, it's there, like it's true, it's real. Um, with this being our first sermon and with this being really, you know, an introduction of, of Sarah and I as a couple to, to lift church, we wanted to start more foundationally. Mm. And, you know, I think I even said it one, if not both of the services, we're not setting out to bring, you know, new, big thinking to, to our family. We wanted to remind, you know, w that which is likely familiar to many, new to some perhaps, but likely familiar to many, and be a reminder as a foundation of what God's word says about how a husband and a wife should live, mm -hmm. and then make some practical steps along from that. Well, and also realizing, like, you know, that's the bullseye, but the reality is is that none of us really can attain that, and we can't attain that without having a deeper relationship with Christ that allows us to love each other to a deeper level and to be able to um, encourage, love, and respect each other to a whole new level as a couple. So, um, yeah, I think the imagery that we um that really was laid on our heart um is we're all broken and in that brokenness we um allow the holy spirit and that relationship with christ to really um take our brokenness and mend it and heal it and re be much more creative than we can ever be and create us into this um beautiful piece of art and we're not able to to get there unless we allow him to um, 
to really um, mend us and mold us into what he's designed us to be. Mm. So, um, yeah, we're all broken and we can't do it alone. Can't do it without Christ, but we can't do it without the body of Christ and with the wor- without the word of God. So um, that's what really resonated in, in my heart for this. Right. So. Is there anything, you know, and, and we, I, I wish we could, you know, have a whole separate podcast on just Ephesians 5 and mm-hmm. go through everything like you guys did in Sunday. I love when you went verse by verse, but just uh, for today, is there anything from Ephesians 5 that's continually hitting you, uh, the Holy Spirit, or maybe as you preached it, leaving, you were like, oh, this really sat with me today. But is, is there anything even today from Ephesians chapter 5 that you're just like, man, the Holy Spirit's really put this on my heart for one reason or another? I think not one thing, but the whole passage, mm-hmm. the reminder that we're called to love our spouse the way Christ loves us. And Christ loved us by dying for us. Christ loved us by dying for us before we ever even loved him. Mm. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were far from God, Christ died for us. That's the picture of what Paul is saying a husband and a wife should live like. That it's not about, I love you if you love me. I love you if you do something for me. Mm. Um, I love you if you say something nice about me. No, I love you because you're my spouse. Mm. You're my wife. So Regardless. Good. yeah, Unconditional love and respect because that's how Christ loves us. When we can't do that well, if we don't have a relationship with Christ and that we're not spending the time that we need to spend with building that relationship with him. And um, the closer I get with Christ, the more I can love and see my husband the way that he, Christ himself sees him Mm. and it helps when I get frustrated that he wants the tube of toothpaste perfect (laughs) 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 and um you know the little nuances that happen on a daily basis is like we really have learned to like just laugh because it's ridiculous how we try to outserve one another as we've learned about each Mm. other over the years and um yeah, like even knowing certain things that he he likes versus what I like, um, we'll overdo it for each other and mm, then just mm, laugh mm, because mm. it's ridiculous. Like even like how we leave the light switches in the house. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> just silly things like that. So a lot of laughter. I think it's important that a lot of people get angry, but um, really when you um, – start building that foundation relationship with Christ, it's, it's easier and easier to love your spouse well and um, to laugh more Amen. through life because life is, life is hard. Yeah, one other thing that I think stuck out and Sarah and I were even talking about before we came on here, we've gotten so convoluted in understanding Ephesians 5 and I can't even teach it extremely well because I don't fully understand it. What does it mean for a husband to sub- a wife to submit to her husband mm-hmm. in the context of, of modern society and different societies and cultural norms along the way? I think culture has taken that out of context. The church has taken that out of context at times. And so it's hard to do it justice. Um, you know, when, again, going back to before I was as confident or as mature as I am now and I'm still not arrived, um, I would interpret that very differently. Mm. Um, and... Now, you know, I see Sarah not just as my wife that is supposed to submit to me, not just as my wife that I'm supposed to love her as Christ loves me and all of those things. She also is a daughter of the king. Mm. And while Ephesians 5 says the, that, that I am the spiritual head of the house, that doesn't mean that Sarah has to go through me mm. to hear from the Lord. Yeah, and so that's something that I'm learning even in this season is how do I spiritually lead my house well and empower my wife to have her own direct relationship with the Lord and hear directly from him. Mm. Oftentimes we hear the same thing. We may hear it in different ways and we have to translate for each other, but we're usually aligned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. because 
we're both in tune with God's leading in our life and in our family. Um, but often she hears things before or, or very differently than I do. And I have to recognize when I, I'm, I'm spiritually leading well, but in a way that empowers her to still hear. Mm-hmm. How do you guys, uh, what practical advice would you give to couples who are seeking God? Maybe it's, it's over selling a house or buying a car or changing how they make dinner. It, it, it could be a range and they go, let's pray about it. And you have sort of individual prayer, then you have prayer together. How would you? That just it brought up a great you know question for me. How do you uh, practically? What advice would you give, or where would you lead people who go? We want to seek God on this. Um, do we pray individually first, then come to? How does that all work? So how do you do that? How do you follow God's leading in your household uh, for you guys? How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to start? <laughs> I I mean you can you can segue in because um, we always look at things differently, but um, which is the beauty of it. <laughs> Over the years, it wasn't beautiful when it first started, but um, I believe that we really we pray about it and we lean into it and kind of sleep on it. I think, and then the Lord really speaks to both of us. And then those things, we use the word meld a lot. Um, it, it usually 99% of the time that what the Lord lays on your heart and what he lays on our heart intertwines, even though it sounds different, it's, it's very similar. Um, so I, I guess that the practical sense would be um, to pray about it, sleep on it, and then pray about it and talk about it together. Um, and we usually, we've, you can hear the tagline, people say, follow your peace, but really when it comes down to it, it really is true. Like, um, you know, when we've gone about, uh, buying homes or buying cars or major things like that, um, I would know I felt zero peace about it. And I've said, I'm not comfortable with that at all. And sometimes it's taken a little bit longer where you're like, but you know, this feels right. And I was like, but it's not. <laughs> so there's the reality is, is that we don't always agree on things. And sometimes, um, and it reverses too, where, um, you know, we're not on the same page, but we're not going to go and be like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm, okay. And um, so have that mutual respect of knowing we have to kind of sit with things a little longer if we're not on That's the good. same page and not aligned and giving each other grace in that. Because um, sometimes we, because we walk through things so differently that we we have to give that amount of grace to. And like sometimes we one or one or the other of us is stuck in pride, and sometimes yeah. we get it wrong. Well, right? sometimes the Lord needs to deal with us. Yeah, and sometimes that's individual. <laughs> yeah, Joey, I think that I think your question is great. It, it almost warrants its own podcast segment. It's yes. I think it's been an evolution and a growth in our faith journey holistically. Yeah, on how we deal things deal with things like that. Um, you know, there's an element of um, the, the piece that Sarah referred to can really only be trusted when we're already bathed in God's word. Mm-hmm. Because, again, the world tells us things, you know, going all the way back to, you know, sleeping with your boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, you know, I've got peace about that, right? If I'm not bathed in God's word, if I don't know what God says about that. So the alignment, the prayer, the peace comes with, first of all, knowing God's truth in general. Does God tell us buy this house or buy that house in the Bible? No, but he teaches us principles about wisdom. Um, so knowing what that is, having wise counsel, mm-hmm. you know, there's a risk in asking for too many opinions and mm-hmm. then getting lost in the opinions of others. But I think if we have an inner circle, we talked about the three-stranded uh, cord, um, Jesus had Peter, James, and John. I think it's, it's great to have um, a variety of friends with a variety of opinions and backgrounds but it's equally important to have an inner circle of yeah. really true trusted advisors wise counsel. that can speak into us. Um, and we both have that. We have that together. We have, you know, I have my guys, she has her girls, and we've got couples that can speak into us. Um, but then, yeah, the, the practical side is as we pray individually, we are usually aligned as we pray together. Um, 
God will check one of us or the other. Yeah. Well, and we uh, deepen our relationship with Christ. I find that we're more in tune to those convictions from the Holy Spirit where it's not a condemnation, um, where there's been that deciphering over the years of feeling condemned because of our own pride. But over the years, as you we've grown in our relationship together, but also with Christ, that it's become more of a conviction where it's like, yeah, I need to check myself. And um, so, yeah, I think that's been helpful over the years as well. But... Um, and one more ingredient might be some freedom in, as well. It's like when, when we are facing important decisions, I'm a recovering perfectionist, I like to say. Mm -hmm. um, I, I used to be crippled by the fear of the unknown or by the fear of getting it wrong. And um, I still have those tendencies, but I'm definitely recovering over the last number of years. And that element of faith is stepping in and um, stepping into an unknown, knowing that if I have sought God's word, if we're aligned in prayer together, and if wise counsel is guiding us, you know, we may still get it wrong. Right. And then we can course correct and redirect if that happens. Um, I think a lot of the questions and things that we're pondering, and, and you guys bring up so many more questions, like mm -hmm. you said, it'd be a whole nother podcast. Are These are things, and this is kind of where we'll begin to land the plane, mm -hmm. uh, that people will go through with marriage mentoring, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, these are things that... Uh, will either be worked on in your marriage or maybe leading up to a marriage. And so uh, I'd love to land the plane there. Let's talk about um, marriage mentorship. This is something you guys uh, have head started, not head started, but here at Lift Church brought it. You have a heart for it. Um, so as we sort of land the plane, because we can't answer everything about marriage and, and we can't go on all these wild, fun stories that I'd like to um, there is an avenue. There's something for people at Lift Church who are listening. Um, if if they're going through something, I'll let you guys explain. But what is marriage mentorship? What um, what is it? Your heart behind it, and what do people need to do? On the surface, um, we if you haven't heard already from our heart, we're passionate about marriages. Mm -hmm. We want to see marriages begin well, thrive, and end well. Um, you know, through the course of, of life. And we, we are not ordained pastors. We are not licensed mental health counselors. We are, we are a couple that's passionate about family and, and passionate about marriage. And so we have been mentors mm -hmm. uh, for a number of years, and we've walked through um, engaged couples preparing for marriage. We've walked through couples with couples that are in marriage and, and, and going through some bumps in the road along the way. And this is something that we're just so grateful that Lift Church is also recognized as a, as a gap and a need within our fellowship. And so we, um, we've adopted a marriage mentoring um, ministry that will allow a couple that's been trained, gone through um, significant training and equipping with another couple that's either preparing for marriage or is already married. And so a couple will meet with a couple consistently, confidentially, and walk, it begins with, um, with walking through um, areas of identified disalignment and for mm -hmm. maybe what an ideal marriage will look like and that the, that the mentoring couple, the trained couple, can then target and use scripture and use um, open-ended, funneling, facilitating questions to really help um, the, the couple determine their own solution mm -hmm. that is agreeable to them. Yeah, and we hit up a lot of different buckets with that where we're talking about, you know, communication and conflict resolution, which is one of the number one things that's the most um, difficult for a lot of couples is that communication piece, um, which we've really had to lean into over the years. Um, compatibility and personalities, like friends and hobbies, like do you even enjoy your friends or what you guys do together? And mm -hmm. some don't, and they don't communicate that. So it all kind of lands on the communication piece. Um, we will talk about family and in-laws, um, sex and romance, faith and values, yep, we go there. lifestyle, parenting, money, about faith and values. Yeah. Yes. We go there. We yeah, go. Yeah, Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah, we're there. <laughs> check, check. Um, we talk about money, which is always fun, um, and, uh, loyalty. And then there's, um, just an opportunity to, to really dive into those buckets according to the needs of each of those couples and, um, it's it's all biblical based and really uh, a safe, confidential space for a couple to be real and raw and get the help they need when they need it 
And um, so it's open to anyone who's um, about to get married to set you up for the win and also for couples that um, just need a little maintenance and also for people that are in crisis that mm -hmm. really are like, we, we need help and we don't know how to do it on our own. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful program we've been doing for about eight years now and we've seen the success of it. And um, so we're, we're really are just honored to be able to pilot it and um, help people through um, the w best way for people to sign up is to just go to our website and it's under the care um, care ministry here at Lyft Church and um, you click on marriage mentoring and then just answer the questions and we'll get in contact with you and get you hooked up with a, a trained up couple so you can start doing life with people that are really just going to pour into you, meet you where you're at and just love and encourage you in, in whatever season you're in. Amen. Practical steps to it. Um, again, it, it, a mentoring relationship usually lasts between six and 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. Typically, you would meet weekly, but that can be flexible based on your schedule. So and much so flexibility. Yeah, you, you would be meeting um, in the home of your mentor couple. So safe, confidential, private. And um, generally, we would say that the mentor couple is not there to give you advice or to tell you what to do or to solve your problems. They are there to facilitate you and your partner um, to guiding to the own solution that of your um, of your disalignments and into a more ideal aligned marriage. Mm -hmm. Amen. Same for so you said uh, whether you are looking to get married, mm -hmm. um, whether you are married and you're going through crisis, or you're married and. Sort of like a maintenance check. Yeah, right? so we go to a doctor yeah. and then get an annual checkup. We take our car in um, to get the oil changed. Right. The car's not broken down. Your body's not falling apart. You just go in for a checkup. And I would say the same thing. Um, you know, typically this is this is generally targeted toward engaged couples preparing for marriage. So oftentimes this would precede um, a couple going um, meeting with a pastor for mm -hmm. pastoral pre-marriage counseling. Um, we precede that with um, with marriage mentoring, pre-marriage mentoring, and a lot of the um, the input and the output that comes from that would then help the pastor uh, better prepare to target their pastoral counseling to the couple. And then on the other end of the spectrum, couples that are in, we would say crisis. So perhaps a couple um, thinks they've done everything and maybe they're headed um, to end the marriage. Um, we would be there as a last-ditch effort. If both partner, if both members of the marriage desire that the marriage does not dissolve, mm -hmm. if both partners are willing to meet, then we'll meet. Yeah. Amen. And all, all of those, if, if someone's like, yeah, I fit into one of those categories, it's six to 10 weeks just for all of them, correct? Correct. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, premarital does more like five to six weeks. And then for um, crisis, I would say it's more up to the ten, eight to 10 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever the couple needs, it's so organic. Like right. it really is per the couple's needs and um, desires for mentoring because sometimes it builds into a relation, a trusted relationship that you can walk through and um, learn how to navigate things. And, right. and some yeah. situations will require pastoral counsel. Some situations will require professional mental health counseling. Mm -hmm. And we support both of those as well. We consider this marriage mentoring ministry to... Um, to come alongside both of those. No, that's awesome. Yeah, and we can provide the resources that people need to get the help that they need beyond that as well. Yeah. My, my only two senses is on that far end of the spectrum. If, if you are listening and you are the couple or you know a couple mm -hmm. who is headed for divorce and you're like, I have no idea what to do, give this a shot. I mean, what's the worst case scenario? You get divorced anyway. You're already heading that You're direction. You're already heading that direction. Absolutely. Make yeah. the movement to do this and, and pray and go, God, is this, you know, something that, you know, could help or is this the tool that you'll provide? Because ultimately I do believe it's the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Even in yeah. this. But this is a tool that the Holy Spirit uses to restore marriages. And I'm sure you guys have heard testimony on testimony of couples who are headed that way. Oh, yeah. And uh, they go through this and... Here's a metaphor that I, I've heard described. So for the marriage in crisis, maybe heading for divorce, um, you've fallen off a cliff. Mm. And we're the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Yeah. You know, it may not survive, but we're there as first responders to help out. Yeah. And we would love to. At the same time, 
we also want to be at the top of the cliff building a fence. Right. And so, those yeah. are the marriage and maintenance. Yeah. I love it. So if, if you're listening and you're in one of those categories, go to our website. It's under the care mm-hmm. tab. Yep. Is it just a tab up top? Or, yes. Uh, click on care, marriage mentoring, go there and sign up. Um, also, get to know John and Sarah. Like, stop by, say hey to them, say hey to them on a Sunday. They have so many, uh, so many funny stories, so many things about them that over the course of time, I'm excited to learn about, and I'm excited for Lift Church to continue to get to know both of you and your hearts and just what you guys have been through, come through, and your testimony on this side, that you are celebrating 21 years of marriage mm-hmm. this year. Congratulations from thank me. You. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you both for being at Lift Church. I mean, beyond this, we'll get off this podcast and walk literally into the other room. I'm just glad you guys are friends. I'm glad you're here. And friend to friend, just thank you for for sharing what you're, it's on your heart and stepping into what God's put and being obedient and faithful and look where you're at. And so very excited for all of this. Is there anything final that you guys want to add or say? Well, I would just say if you're waffling with us, um, just jump in and see what the Lord does in your life and in your marriage and um, take a chance because it's worth it. It really is worth fighting for your marriages. We're grateful for you too, Joey. Yeah, thanks, thanks, friend. Appreciate you. I noticed no immediate uh, feedback when I said you guys were great friends, and I was a little curious, so uh, no. Uh, (laughs) Joey is the best person on earth. (laughs) I noticed I teed it up for you, and no one swung. So um, We love you and appreciate you, Joey. (laughs) Will will one of you pray us out then, or both of you? I don't Maybe both of you I think would be cool, just as a couple. One of you start, one of you finish. Uh, just pray over the podcast, pray over the people listening, pray over Lift Church, and that'll be sort of how we wrap up today. Awesome. Yeah. Heavenly Father, it's an honor and a privilege to um, to be called your son, and it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of your capital C church, and it's equally a privilege to be part of Lift Church, and we are uh, grateful to, uh, to be plugged in here, grateful to be doing um, kingdom labor with great people um, on the team here, Pastor Joey with us this morning as the rest of the team as well. And just an honor to be um, representing what you have set out in your word to to be the ideal bullseye of a marriage. And it's a reminder that you loved us enough to send your son Jesus to die for us while we were really, really, really far from you. And um, now that we're in a marriage and we, we pray over the marriages here, under the sound of our voice, that um, that we can love each other the way you've loved us already. And um, we know that that's hard. We know that that's, we always miss the mark. Your word says that all have fallen short. We've all sinned. And in marriage, we all mess up as well. And, and grace covers that. But Father, we pray now for um, every marriage that is under the sound of our voice. We pray for marriages that are that are taking place and doing life and going through the struggles that, that life is throwing at them, that they would hear that there is hope in you, and that they would hear that there is help within our community. And Father, for marriages that are struggling again, um, your covenant um, goes both ways. And when you say that you will never leave us nor forsake us, you can be that third strand in the cord um, in a, in a three-stranded cord that, that you will hold marriages together if they hold on to you. And so, Father, I pray for every struggling marriage right now that they would reach out to you and that together you would strengthen them. Uh, Father, I pray over every couple that is dating, engaged, that is seeking toward marriage, that you would just give them um, the strength and the courage and that they would have the vision that it is possible to live in a Christ-centered marriage and that you would set them up for success from the day they walk down the aisle for the rest of their lives together. Father, for those that um, are not even in a dating relationship, but maybe seeking for one, praying for one, would you hear their prayers, that their prayers reach your throne room, and that even now, while they're in their singleness, they can practice what it means to be Christ-centered, and they can understand what it means to love those and respect those in, that they are in relationship with in any form or fashion. And Father, for those that have already experienced brokenness, 
I lift them up to you as well, and that you that they would hear you saying that there is still more work for them to do, that you're not finished with them yet, that you have restoration, that you have healing um, in your power, and that they would receive that from you. Father, I'm thankful now for my wife, Sarah. Um, I told her yesterday before we preached that of all of your children, all of your daughters, you chose her uh, to be my wife. And I'm just so grateful for her in my life and the time that we've spent together and that you would continue blessing her, that you would continue blessing our marriage and continue lifting up us that as we continue to seek you and continue to receive any form of healing in our marriage, that our healing then becomes um, a way that we can provide healing to others by your power. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for the opportunity for um, us to launch marriage ministry here in this house. We're grateful for um, your presence. We're grateful for, um, geez, just for marriages. Um, that you created it, this bond, Lord. We know that all things are possible. Everything is mendable in you um, if we just lean into you, and we're so grateful for that. Thank you for relationship with you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for making um, it possible for us to um, be redeemed <laughs> and for us to, um, to know that um, we can always lean into you for help and that we don't have to walk this life alone, and that your footsteps are right alongside us all along the way. Lord, I just pray that you bless every single marriage that's listening to this podcast right now, Lord, that you um, you infiltrate their marriage, Lord, in a way that brings healing, health, and um, restoration in their homes right now, Lord. Just pray for um, for blessing, Lord. We just thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do, Lord. And we just give you all the praise and glory. Amen. Mm-hmm.